Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. think about having a conversation most of us think about what we're going to say or what what's being said and we really need to remember that listening and listening well is also a very important part of a problem-solving conversation because when I listen then I'm more prepared to negotiate and come up with a compromise that helps us keep on track so the what I've learned is that if I'm in a conversation and I am trying to be respectful and listen to the person that's talking, but I think of something I want to say, I don't listen nearly as well because now I'm trying to remember that. So what the next rule says to do is make sure you have paper and something to write with handy because if you're in that situation where you're listening and you think of something you want to say, if you jot it down real quick, if you make a note to yourself, you can return to listening, listening well. Welcome to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go through the complex legal, financial, and parenting choices before you to your future plans for housing, budgeting, and co-parenting post-divorce. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Today's show is really powerful uh, because it's it's about those very early stages once you've you uh 
find yourself in the early stages of divorce. And one of the biggest challenges so many men and women face is how to live under the same roof with your soon-to-be ex. I had to do it for about three and a half years and have some stories I can tell. It can be like a minefield as you attempt to navigate the common living spaces, how to pay the household bills, how to negotiate hostile reactions and upset children and the tender topics of parenting and dating. And so we're going to touch on a bunch of these in the beginning of our show. The most critical part of the show, however, is about the solution to this. And I'm really excited today to have our guest, Dr. Dan Thomason, with us. Dr. Dan is a licensed psychologist. He's a coach and author of He's Right, She's Right, a book that Dan's going to be offering to our listening audience. Dan lives in Hastings, Minnesota with his wife uh, and family, and he's worked with both married and divorcing couples for almost 30 years. And he believes in practical approaches to solving problems. And as you'll see today, he tries to bring humor into his work whenever possible. And Dan has a really interesting tool that he's going to be sharing with us today. So welcome, Dan. Thank you. It's great to have you here today. I know that you have a lot of uh really powerful suggestions uh, to help people negotiate the stress of living under the same roof with their soon-to-be ex. Before we jump in, Dan, how did you, can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to work with couples the way you do? Yeah, I can. Um, I started out working with couples uh, in a clinic that exclusively did work with couples, and he took a very behavioral approach. Over the course of my years, I tried different approaches and found myself coming back to a very concrete and practical approach uh, with couples. I like to call myself a behaviorist when uh, where outcomes are concrete and measurable. So that when I was working with couples over the years, I found that uh, people process emotions and information differently. Some people process them internally and some people process them externally. And that can lead to complications when you're having highly emotional and um, challenging conversations. So the tool uh, I came up with was to help even the playing field when there's differences of how people are wired. Which is so perfect for our audience today. And so let's let's take a few minutes to just elaborate on what we're talking about in terms of the, the challenges that you folks who are listening are facing, and then we'll get into the solution. We're going to start with those of you who have uh, children and the challenge of co-parenting and separately, the challenge of negotiating uh, your children and what their emotional reactions are to the divorce are huge as you're all living under the same roof. Custody while living under the same roof, having different approaches to the problems that arise when you're in a uh, 
an atmosphere where there tends to be more blame and accusation than normal. Uh, children acting out as a result of their own emotional stress and worry and upset about what's going on. And um, parents' difficulty in reining in, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, those of you who are listening, reining in your opinion of the other parent in front of the kids are, are some of the challenges um, faced around children and co-parenting. And Dan, I know that you can jump in and talk a little bit about this. I do want to mention that that I, I spoke about this first because it's such a huge issue. And I just want to note that we're going to touch on the topic of children and co-parenting right now. Uh, but make sure to stay tuned for our next two shows because we're having two amazing child experts on that are going to share vital tips and strategies around and healthy parenting and how to support your children through the season. But Dan, do you want to jump in and say anything about that particular topic of children and co-parenting? Well, just that, as you mentioned, it can become very, uh, very challenging with different opinions and, and potential hostility and things that are going on under this circumstance. It just all I was going to say is that it just really becomes uh, even more important to have a structured way to approach these uh, challenging conversations. And and I think that that's that's what that's the the theme that you're going to hear as we just talk about the challenges is the solution to every challenge is going to begin with how you communicate with each other. And that's what we're going to be diving into in just a few minutes. Another challenge is just sharing that common living area. I found that when I was going through my divorce, being on the first floor where the living room, dining room, kitchen was, was uh, that was the minefield because if somebody was upset and and the children were around, it was just easy for things to flare and arguments to happen. And even, you know, something basic like uh, the kitchen and who's cooking or who's keeping it clean or who's not keeping it clean and just the slightest thing because everyone's a little bit of a walking raw nerve during this time. And then there's um, finances, right? Uh, and I know that in in the best case scenario, we can have some challenges with uh, dealing with our spouse in terms of paying bills, when to pay them, how to pay them, how to keep them down, uh, how to negotiate. In this case, shared. Uh, shared bills and finances and avoiding meltdowns and blame and accusation over finances because finances, as we also know, is just such a uh, a trigger point and a hotbed for arguments, uh, especially during the divorce stage. And then we have dating. I have a client who uh, he was living under the under the same roof with his soon-to-be ex, and she he would find her himself seeing her getting all dolled up and excited about going out, and the difficulty of not reacting and not saying something nasty or demonizing her or engaging the children and it was really really difficult and and how to discuss sensitivity around um 
how to handle that and at least ask for what you want and what you believe your children need, whether or not the other person is going to abide, comes back to the conversations. Uh, and then finally, um, and, and not that this is, you know, this is not a limited list, but the other thing that came to mind for me is I have a couple of clients living under the same roof where they're, they're selling the house. And, you know, what do we do to get it prepared? And is one person wanting to spend more money than the other? And how about even having it set up for people who want to come in? Is it being kept clean? Um, uh, when are we going to show it? How are we going to show it? When do we start this process? And because everything's moving and changing uh, when you're selling your home or discussing that at the same time, it's like the ground underneath you is being pulled down. So there could just be a tremendous amount of emotions and triggers around that topic. Uh, is, there, is there anything else you wanted to jump in and add to that list, Dan, at this point? Um, not that I can think of. I, I think that uh, you, you mentioned it's not an exhaustive list, but uh, good, good examples of the kind of challenges. Yeah, and before we jump into our solution, our key solution, I do want to say that uh, if you've been listening, uh, we Journey Beyond Divorce has that 12-step uh, divorce recovery series. And in the early stages, one of the things, and as we go through this show, I, I invite you and encourage you to raise your awareness to what's going on around you and especially how you are being, how are, how are you thinking, how are you reacting, how are you engaging during this time on any of those fronts that we talked about. And the second thing I want to invite you to do is notice your level of acceptance, because one of the things uh, that happens is that people, um, you could be living with your soon-to-be ex who has always done this particular thing, and yet you find yourself saying, I can't believe you're doing that. But they've been doing that for so long, or you've been reacting a certain way for so long. So really bring your awareness and watch your level of acceptance as we talk about these things, because those are really key. And the 12-step series gives you 12 steps like awareness and acceptance to help you to negotiate the emotions. Today, we're going to talk very specifically about something tangible um, and detailed. And if you don't have a pen and paper, grab one because there's a number of steps to uh, Dr. Dan's um, tool. He has a structured conversation tool that we're going to be touching on. It's a blueprint for problem-solving conversations, and it's really going to help you wherever you're at in this process. So, so Dan, before we jump into any of the details about the structured conversation tool, uh, why... Why did you come up with this? Why is it important to to have this a structure? Well, when I uh, have been working with couples over the years, it, it occurred to me that every conversation reduces down to two least common denominators, which are structure, which are basically the rules we're trying to follow while we're having a conversation with someone, and the content. So the structure is nothing more than uh, me trying to not interrupt you, me trying not to roll my eyes or or have audible gasps. 
um, things like that. So when we don't realize we have these rules and the other person has their own set of unspoken rules, we're inevitably going to break a rule that the other person has, which then gets the conversation to start talking about how we're having the conversation instead of the content. And then that just leads to argument after argument and couples just end up not being able to get anywhere. So the structured conversation tool came from having both people following the same set of rules. You know, that makes so much sense. And if you're listening and and you find yourself smiling because that's exactly what happens, I remember so often we would end up arguing about how we were trying to communicate or how the other person was doing it wrong, right? And I, I, I think what you just said about having these unspoken rules, uh, we all come to the table thinking, you know, well, this is how we should do it. This is how it should unfold. And so the whole concept of beginning with uh, can we agree on how to go forward makes so much sense. Yeah, exactly. And um, another thing I wanted to say about that is that people, I mentioned earlier how people are wired different. So an example of how this tool helps even the playing field is that if I'm an external processor, which I am, and my wife is an internal processor, which she is, by the way, that's an exception to the rule because generally <laughs> speaking. It's the other way around. Internal, yes, exactly. So um, <clears throat> an example would be that if, if I'm sitting down trying to have a conversation with my wife um, and I start talking, I might cover several different points while she's listening. And then when it's her turn to talk, she might, she, uh, internal processors talk like a video buffers on a computer. They put a few sentences out there, but then they kind of have to stop and process a little bit more. Well, if I'm external, I'm thinking she's pausing and I'm waiting for a pause so I don't interrupt. And so I start talking. Well, then she wasn't done with her thought yet and she gets frustrated. So that's just an example of how having a tool uh, evens the playing field for people that are wired differently. You know, it's, it's funny that you use that example. I have a client who very high conflict divorce and she was an external processor and she also um, struggled with a little bit of ADD um, and what would happen is as she was talking out loud her soon-to-be ex would assume that what she was saying was her decision or her belief when she was and because I worked with her so long, I could see that she just needed to talk it through and she could actually go through a couple of different possibilities and beliefs. And so it it created so much additional conflict for them. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And so if we so we're going to go through these and see. And what I want to say before we start is. I came from a high conflict divorce, and so I tend to, to always want to bring that piece of it into the conversation. The tools that we're about to talk about, the steps are incredibly helpful. 
However, sometimes what happens is when you hear something that can't work for you, you shut down. And what I want to suggest is there may be there may be points that we make that you just know that's just never going to work with the person that I'm engaging with. So two things. One is uh some of the tips will work. And so listen for what will work and definitely uh, put those into action. And and then for the points that won't work with your soon to be ex, they can still work for you. And Dan and I were Dr. Dan and I were talking about this beforehand. Even if one person begins to abide by these rules as much as you can, it's going to help. And so no matter how high conflict or no matter how difficult your soon-to-be ex might be in terms of communicating, uh, this can still be incredibly valuable for you. And we're acknowledging ahead of time that it's just going to be, it's going to fit better for, for some people than for others. So in order to um, agree to some rules, you need to communicate. In order to communicate, you want the content of what you're communicating to be front and center rather than the arguments over the process and the structure. So let's start at the beginning, Dan. What's your first, what is the first rule in your structured conversation? The first rule is knowing what types of topics have led to conflict in the past and and when to use the, the structured conversation tool is really for problem-solving conversations, especially when there's negative emotions associated to the topic. So the first rule just says know when to use the tool. If it has a track record of leading to conflict or a conversation takes a negative emotional turn. Okay, so that's I, I'm almost chuckling as you say that. So I think that me and most of the listeners are going, okay, well, that's most conversations. Um, so especially <laughs> under right, this circumstance, absolutely right, under this circumstance, you're living with you soon to be X. There's going to be there's going to be rubs. There's going to be disagreements. So let's say I'm going to amend Dr. Dan's rule. And let's say whenever you have to discuss something where you have to come to agreement or set certain rules up with your soon to be X, what follows is probably going to be really valuable. Going through divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. So 
so you had told me that um, a distraction-free environment is important. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yep, that's rule number two. Uh, make sure that you have a distraction-free environment as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> in this situation, you know, you don't want you don't want to try to have one of these conversations when the kids are around, or if somebody's going to be preoccupied by and and otherwise disrespectful being on their telephone or something like that. It just really helps keep the focus on the content of the topic that you've chosen to discuss and problem solve. And, and as I listen to that, just just to be able to start and say, hey, you know, let's agree that uh, we'll have this conversation. You know, we're, we're clearly not getting along, but that we'll leave our cell phones in the other room or, you know, we'll do it when the kids are at school or at camp or whatever the case may be. So that's just that's 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 such a great first step. And you could imagine all the conflict that would just come up around that, you know. Uh, if you didn't do that. Right. And what you were saying earlier, Karen, about how um, in a hostile situation, the level of cooperation might be a challenge in and of itself. And so um, the person who's wanting to follow the rules and can actually get some benefit out of following them. I had mentioned um, the, the rolling of the eye and the audible gasp as being part of the rules to follow. But the flip side of those rules is that if you have somebody roll their eyes, my rule to follow is ignore rolling of the eyes. If somebody does have a audible gasp or say something rude, my rule is to ignore those things because ignoring allows the conversation to progress. <clears throat> you know, that's that's and that brings us back to my earlier point of be aware of how your soon to be X reacts and how you react. And you know, there's a saying be accepting and expecting. And so with the rolling of the eyes or the gasp or the whatever that might be that typically triggers you to bring your awareness and know, okay, when we have these conversations, he or she tends to do these things. And to Dr. Dan's point, I'm going to stay on, I'm going to stay on topic. I'm not going to be distracted by you know, what may seem like condescension or accusation or or belittling or whatever it might feel like to you that to just be able to say, I'm going to put up a boundary and I am not going to engage in that. I'm going to stay the course with the topic that I want to uh, that's on the table. Yeah, exactly. Love that. <clears throat> so then the next one you have uh, has to do with timing and um, and and having a pen and paper. Can you elaborate a little? bit on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, when we talk, when we think about having a conversation, most of us think about what we're going to say or what's, what's being said. And we really need to remember that listening and listening well is also a very important part of a problem solving conversation. Because when I listen, then I'm more prepared to negotiate and come up with a compromise that helps us keep on track. So the what I've 
learned is that if I'm in a conversation and I am trying to be respectful and listen to the person that's talking, but I think of something I want to say, I don't listen nearly as well because now I'm trying to remember that. So what the next rule says to do is make sure you have paper and something to write with handy because if you're in that situation where you're listening and you think of something you want to say, if you jot it down real quick, if you make a note to yourself, you can return to listening, listening well. And, you know, I think that it's just so typical, especially when we're in conflict, that as soon as the person says something that we don't agree with, we're like creating a retort in our head. And while we're doing that, we're no longer listening. So so that one makes so much sense. The other thing I want to point out is uh, I I married a fellow who, you know, bless his soul. He's just incredibly verbose. And and I knew that I knew that from from the first time that I had, you know, met him. And yet when we got divorced, we would try and have these conversations and he would just go on monologuing and uh, an agreement like this uh, that talked about having a timer would have been so helpful because maybe I am more of that internal processor and he was an external processor, perhaps on steroids. And it created so many difficulties. So yeah. so if that's something that you're dealing with, you know, this as you're listening, this is a really helpful tip. The other thing that I just want to throw in, I had read it in um I'm forgetting the author of the book, but it's called The Relationship Handbook. And one of the wonderful tips that that this author had given was you always listen for what you disagree with. And he suggests rather than doing that, listen for the agreement so that you can build upon where you agree. So if you're talking about the kids, you may have different ways of solving a problem, but you might both agree that they need to be responsible or respectful or or you know that you're trying to raise them to be a certain so you focus on that and then you build from that so just throwing that in as another great tip in that listening and conversation part yeah absolutely calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. And uh, in addition, Karen, we, when you, we had talked before, um, the, if you're listening for what you agree with, it gives you an opportunity to use phrases that lower defenses, like I agree or you're right. Right. And that helps to, to bring down the defenses of the other person when you can acknowledge or validate what they're saying and, and agree with them. 
Exactly. And with so much that you're bound to disagree that when you have those moments of agreement, it's it's like it's like watering the flowers. Right. It's like you want to pour into what's working. And so any agreement is worthy of acknowledgement. Yeah. So then let's go to step three, which is identify one or two topics to discuss. What's that about? Um, Actually, can I, you mentioned um, timer and I thought it would be a good time to talk about rule number four that says predetermine how long, it kind of goes with what you were saying too with your, uh, with your ex and how he was so verbose. But predetermine how long the conversation is going to be. So if you're going to have a conversation for 20 minutes, it's over at 20 minutes. Uh, And that really helps set a boundary, too. I remember when we were talking, Karen, you uh, maybe you can talk more about that. But you always felt like you, you know, you couldn't walk away, you know, turn your back on somebody and walk away because it was so disrespectful. But this rule in the structured conversation tool gives you the opportunity to do that because it was an agreed upon time. Yeah, I think to me that's invaluable to be able to and also tempers begin to flare after a while in these situations. And so it, it really it, it encapsulates a period of time. You cover as much as you cover. And if that's it, too, it's like, well, we could go back and forth because we're not going to agree. But if we say we're only talking for X amount of time perhaps there is more uh, motivation to come to agreement. And if you can't come to agreement, that there'll be a cooling off period that you won't just keep on going. Because as we know, when you can't come to an agreement, everything spirals downward and we all go down the toilet together. So there's, it helps to avoid that. And this would have been brilliant for me in those days when I was, when I was navigating that. So talk a little bit more about timing, though, Dan, because it's not just the scope of the conversation. uh, And you actually had a suggestion on on what a reasonable amount of time would be. So can you speak to that? Yeah, sure. Um, Kind of what you were saying, too, you know, the longer the conversation goes, you know, the more opportunity there is for, um, you know, tempers to flare. So I find that if you're using a dialogue style um, conversation, each person, and this goes right into the next um, rule, too, you predetermine um, how long each person will have to talk during the overall conversation. So if you want a dialogue style conversation, then one minute each back and forth using a timer tends to be um, a good way to do that. And if you're having that kind of conversation, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes is probably uh, plenty long for to cover one topic. And that's another thing. It's important to try to not cover several topics in one conversation. Keep it to one or two well, let's let's slow that down. Can we slow that down just a bit? Because I think Absolutely. you just said a whole lot. So first okay. of all, I want to I want to say that the idea of um, the dialogue style and setting amount of time 
I think would be incredibly helpful. However, if if I were to ask my, even today, if I were to ask my ex to have a conversation and I only gave him one or two minutes, uh, it would immediately start an argument because he's just, it's just not something that he can communicate in that amount of time. And, and I don't say that as a dig. I say that as um, from a place of compassion. So I think that it's really important that if you have somebody that you know just needs a little bit more space to, to get their point across that you don't want to give them 15 minutes, but, but you might want to give them a, a little bit more time so that, so that it actually, so that the rule works for them as well. Does that make sense to you, Dr. Dan? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's, that's one of the nice things about uh, this tool is the, the, the built-in flexibility. In your situation with your ex, you know, you might only need a minute to get your point across, but trying to be understanding and respectful of how he processes, he might need three. And you can set it up that way. Exactly. And so, again, as you're listening to this, right, you, you know, in 12 step programs, they always say, take what you like and leave the rest. And I love that rule. So as you're listening to these, you there may be things that really resonate with you and other things that don't really fit for you. And so. Take what works because you'll be walking away with value and it's got to be custom fit for you and your circumstances and the whole goal here is is less stress more successful conversations so that there's more successful agreement so the overall conversation might be 20 to 30 minutes i think is what you said dan in terms of like a comfortable period before um before it gets too hot and that also gives you a little bit of pressure to come to an agreement if you're uh, running up against the deadline in that. Right, right. So the other thing is the the part of coming up to a deadline, uh, I find a lot of times we talk about, uh, talk to our clients about how easy it is to be problem oriented. And uh, we have one of the 12 steps actually in our series talks to you about how to shift from being problem-oriented to solution-oriented. And I think that this timing piece here is a great tool for that because once the problem's been stated, after a while, it's like beating a dead horse. And to be able to agree, okay, I think we've put and say it nicely, right? I think we've we've now covered all of the, all of the talking points around the problem. What can we do about it? And inviting uh, your soon-to-be ex to shift into solution mode and coming up with what are the possibilities to solving this problem. And having that time frame enables you to know that at some point you have to shift to that so that you can have a productive conversation. Yeah, exactly. And having just a, having a predetermined uh, sentence uh, knowing that that's what you're going to say when you're ready to launch the negotiation, that's helpful too, just to know, okay, I think we're at that point. I'm ready to launch the negotiation. So you just ask the question, what do you propose we do about that? 
And and I like the way you just said that, because instead of you, the person listening to us now proposing if the other person's going to get defensive and inviting them to start the conversation about the solution um, and inviting them into what do you propose uh, is, you know, again, anything we can do to bring the defenses down is going to be helpful and and good for the whole family. So uh, we'll go back to step three here, number three, which was identify one or two topics. I stopped you as you began talking about that. Can we go back to that and just what's that about? It's so tempting when you're in a conversation to bring in tangent uh, topics and what I've found over the years is that if I can keep, because I'll do this right in my office, if I can keep uh, couples who are trying to, for instance, have uh, an amicable divorce, if I can keep them on one topic while they're using the structured conversation tool, it just seems to navigate much uh, smoother towards a, a, a solution. Uh, the tangent conversations just get so distracting. The other thing that I find, again, with more of my high conflict clients is that they might be dealing with someone who tends to deflect. And so they go into the conversation talking about A, and then they're accused or blamed about B, and all of a sudden they're defending B rather than staying on course with A. And then they walk away feeling like a victim, feeling powerless, um, feeling angry and hurt and resentful. And so I love the idea of identifying a topic, and that way the minute somebody brings up a a tangential topic, you can stop and say, well, wait a second and acknowledge it, right? I know that's important to you and we can talk about that in our next conversation, but we agreed to stay on this topic. And again, just how beautiful it's like, it's like creating a conversation with boundaries. Yes. And the other thing is don't throw in everything but the kitchen sink. Uh, And by picking one or two topics, you don't find yourself as soon as you get triggered and you're angry and last week this and yeah, but you did that and you didn't and you just you're not going all over the place. You're really staying on topic. And because you have a pen and paper, if those thoughts are coming to mind, you can jot them down for future conversations. Exactly. And it made me uh, think about another part of the tool where um, once the overall conversation is done, it's important for uh, people to separate for a while and not for in in this uh, situation, not be in the common area together. It's way too tempting to keep that conversation going otherwise. And then when there's no structure, you run into all the other problems. So, and that brings us back to here you are living under the same roof and you might be thinking, well, there's not a whole lot of space in my home to go someplace else. The the absolute value of physically removing yourself from the other person, allowing yourself some time to digest what happened, uh, you know, to bring your conscious awareness to what am I feeling? What am I thinking? How am I reacting? Uh, what are the stories I'm telling myself? What did I get out of this? What's my next step? Like all of that cannot be done while you're in the same space and potentially uh, going to trigger a, another conversation that's not structured and not productive. So I love that rule. 
it really does help. One of the things you had talked about, um, which um, uh, was about deciding uh, deciding who begins, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Typically, the person who's more motivated to have the conversation or um, thought of the topic for the conversation, typically that person would go first. But as as you uh, are reminding us that there's so much hostility sometimes in these situations that... um, their argument can occur just by trying to figure out who's going to go first in the structured conversation. So um, if it gets to that point, I encourage people to just flip a coin. If you know you need to have the conversation, but neither of you are wanting to get in an argument about who's going to start, then just make it completely objective and flip a coin. Easy enough. You talk about using a timer, and I know we talked earlier, but um, oh, I guess that was the, the 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 permission to leave, which I was talking to you about. Uh, the whole idea of ending the conversation. I have a note here for myself. One of the things um, that I found was I, I would be um, I would feel like I was being held hostage because my my ex still had things to say and and I needed to disengage and I didn't want to just walk away or hang up the phone and and yet I I literally couldn't and sometimes today still can't um no matter how much I invite him to to stop I can't and uh and so, you know, I'm seeing this as something I, I believe I, I need to begin to use right away, which is whenever we get on the phone to be able to have some agreement around how long we're going to be talking so that he still may not stop talking, but it's almost that permission to leave the conversation because there was an agreement and and now the other person's breaking the agreement. So I think that, you know, if that resonates with anyone else, I know that for me, it's, it's I'm, I'm 10 years post-divorce. It's probably the thing I have the most difficulty with is, is that I can't, I can't cordially end a conversation. Um, and, and while I still might not be able to, just having that agreement might uh, just help me feel a little bit better about taking care of myself because the boundary has been agreed to. And then if it's broken, it's not, it's not on me to, to stay there. So is there anything that we, uh, that we, um, did we touch on all the points to the structured conversation? Um, we did. And uh, what, what I thought of while I was listening to you was that in these situations where um, you're living under the same roof with your soon-to-be ex, um, finding a time to have a structured conversation might be a challenge, and it might actually work out better if you could arrange that on a, a given day at a given time each week is when you're going to sit down and have a conversation, because then if you get that agreement, you it doesn't matter um, what has transpired in terms of uh, snide remarks and things, you're still going to agree to sit down at that time. And when arguments come up during the course of the week, instead of getting into it, especially in front of the kids, you, you know, you have permission to say, 
let's that's an important topic to both of us. Let's talk about it, you know, in our Friday conversation and and stunt an argument that might happen right then and there. Yeah. You had another great suggestion in terms of like keeping conflict to a minimum. And uh, that had to do with a code word. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that? Right. Yes. So the use of a code word um, is like, for example, if you're having a structured conversation and you're wanting to figure out a way to um, deal with a specific situation, you can attach a whole meaningful thought and tell the person that you're trying to negotiate this uh, dynamic with, tell them, when I say this, this is what I want you to understand I'm meaning. And it can, so you don't have to repeat it over and over, and it, and it sends a respectful message. I like what you've been saying all along, Karen, and that's how try to keep it positive, you know, try to um, focus on things you can agree with. And if we take that role, and then we want to be able to use it in a potentially um, hostile situation in order to abort that, a code word can be helpful sometimes. Can you give an example of that? I'm trying to think of something and I'm having a hard time, so that might be helpful for everyone listening too. Sure. Sure. I I mentioned earlier, I'm an external processor and my wife's an internal processor. So um, I get up in the morning and see her off because she leaves before I do. And then I handle the the getting the kids to their different places before I head off. And um, so I'll get up. Sometimes she gets up two and a half hours early, but I still get up. I like to, you know, help her out, get her stuff ready, get her in the car, you know, and say goodbye. And she says, thank you. And after a while, I mentioned to her, so, babe, um, how much do you actually like it that I do this? And because I'm thinking maybe, hey, I really appreciate it that you get up with me. I like it. Um, I know you don't have to, but you do. And she says, yeah, I think all those things. She says, I say thank you. (laughs) So... So I right then and there, I said, so, so what I'm supposed to understand is you mean all this when you say thank you to me in the morning. She goes, yeah. <laughs> so that's an example of our code word and how we came up with it for an internal processor and an external processor. Is, is, there, is there something that's a little more conflict-oriented that you've, you've seen oh. any of your – because, I, well, I appreciate that. I think that it's, it's not quite resonating as much as maybe Sorry. giving us something. No, no, no. No, that was okay. great. Um, but do you have something that maybe one of your, um, your couples have used that would that would um, fit for something more conflict-oriented? Yeah, so the one couple that I'm thinking of right now, they were in this situation under the same roof and um, pursuing a divorce. And they would um, deal with the kids in the common space, just like you've mentioned. And when there was... um, uh, a need to defer. Uh, he he was the broken-hearted one, and um, he would uh, notice her behavior as hurtful. And we just came up with how he would try to work 
popcorn into a sentence uh, if the kids were around or whatever, and then she would know that they needed to just kind of separate for a while. That he was being triggered. Yes, exactly. And that was how he let her know that. So there you go. So that one, that one to me, that, that resonates more. So if you're, and that's a great example because it's generic enough. So if you're in the same space and you're being triggered and you want to let, let your soon to be ex know or anything, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is, uh, to, to come up with a word and, and you're not just saying fiddlesticks out of no place. You're actually working something into a sentence, especially if there are little ears around so that it, um, it's, it's not so obvious. So I like that a lot. Okay. Yep. Uh, we talked about just a couple of other things we talked early on, and I just want to reiterate it because I think it's really important, you know, what to ignore or avoid, which Dr. Dan had said, the eye rolling or the heavy size, or, you know, you may have a case where someone, you know, has your, your soon-to-be ex, um, or you might, you know, be snide, be sarcastic, be a little condescending, uh, avoid doing it and avoid reacting to it is is really going to take you a long way. And then the other one that we mentioned a few times that I want to highlight is uh, bringing defenses down. The quickest way, if you want to have a conversation, especially if you're soon to be ex, is uh, angry or defensive, is to be able to acknowledge and validate. And what I mean by that is certainly, Dr. Dan said earlier, if you agree on something, to be able to say, you know, I agree, I understand, you're right, like anything positive like that. However, even if you don't agree with what their thought is, there's something hugely powerful in acknowledging people's emotions. And so whatever your soon to be ex is upset about, it makes sense. And this is your statement. It makes sense that you're upset given the way you're looking at it. So they may have a story about why you did something or how you did something or how it was like wronging them, given that, 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 that that's the way they're looking at it, it makes sense that they're upset. Simply be, by acknowledging somebody's feelings, you know, I, I can hear that you're really angry and and it makes sense, given how you thought this went down. Can I share with you my perspective? Um, can I share with you what actually happened? So just anything where you can understand, uh, even even something as simple as I hear you. It's actually something I use with my teenagers a lot when I very much disagree with them and they're telling me what they feel. And I, I just I hear you. I totally hear where you're coming from. And it's a way for them to feel like, okay, I'm being heard. And then we can engage in my varying perspective from theirs. So Dr. Dan, you have, um, you have an ebook. Uh, so it's, well, before I even get to that, are, is there anything else that you would like to any parting, uh, words of wisdom or thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners? Just everything that you've been saying, and I, I, I call it the stay positive philosophy. Um, and listening, just remember that listening is as important as what you're saying in a conversation. Just all those things we've been talking about. And uh, 
Do you have something um, that our listeners can can get off of your website? Would you like to share how they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is Dr. Dan Thomason, that's D-R-D-A-N-T-H-O-M-A-S-O-N.com. And on my website, on the home page down at the bottom, I have a PDF file uh, of my book called He's Right, She's Right, a Blueprint for Problem-Solving Conversations. And you can either open that in a PDF file and read it uh, electronically, or you can print it out, or however you prefer. So what was the tagline, He's Right, She's Right, and then what's the tagline of the book? A Blueprint for Problem-Solving Conversations. Yeah, I think we all need that. Um, <laughs> so so that's great. Dr. Dan, thank you so much. Really, I, I think that those were such great tips, and I hope that everyone who's listening is walking away with a handful full of new um, rules and guidelines that can help you negotiate this difficult time. Of course, uh, at Journey Beyond Divorce, we've got a team of life coaches. And if you've been struggling on this front or any other front and you'd like some support, you can reach out to us at journeybeyonddivorce.com and just fill out the contact page, ask for a free uh, lifeline session. And if you haven't yet listened to our 12-step Divorce Recovery Series, you can listen to that on iTunes as well, but we have a very special giveaway, which is a flash guide on all 12 steps, and you can go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and download that that free uh, guide that's a PDF as well. right after this show. So, and, and for those of you who have children, again, our next show is, our next two shows are on children and divorce. Our next show is, uh, goes over a child's bill of rights, uh, with an incredible guest. I'm really excited about having him on. So please stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.